Welcome to Ride Every Stride. This is episode 54. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm back again with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Good morning, Van. What's new with you? Laura, things just couldn't be better. Everything, heck, everything's new, I guess, if you wake up right, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I admittedly, we had a little bit of time not too long ago up in New York and it was very nice weather up there. It, when we came back to Texas, we left up there, Laura, in the middle of the day and it was in the mid seventies. We got back to Texas and it was in the upper nineties with the temperature humidity index at, at 106. I was sure. I mean, as soon as I got off the airplane, I thought, man, I'm sure missing that New York. <laughs> it's, it sure makes you appreciate, you know, areas of the country that are much I guess more climate friendly, especially when you do what I do and everything's outdoors and you're working constantly moving around. It makes you really appreciate those cooler temperatures. So my hat's yeah. off to all those guys up in New York. Thanks for having us and letting us get a good taste of that. And, and thanks a lot for sending us home to the humidity. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely summertime in Texas. My husband's been working outside a lot. Um, it's, we're getting our property ready. One of our kids is getting married here on the property later this month. And, and so he's Wow, congratulations things. to the yeah. entire family on that. Cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty cool, but he 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 takes about four showers a day when he's out there working. So it's he'll work for a couple hours and then come in and shower off and and head back exactly. out to the humidity. I just stay in here where it's cool. There you okay. go. So episode fifty four. You know, we didn't ever mention wow a milestone that we've done over fifty episodes of Ride Every Stride. Congratulations, Van. Thank you. It's. You know, I really have to thank you, Laura, because, you know, I didn't even know what a podcast was until you mentioned it. And even then, I had a hard time wrapping my little brain around it. I was thinking, a podcast? And what is that? It's radio, kind of? I mean, <laughs> how does that work? And so I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to explain it to me. I really teach, uh, really appreciate you kind of motivating me to, to do it because it has been a good time. I really enjoyed it. And I'm loving the feedback that we get back from people. And you're right. 50 for me is a huge milestone because I'm one of those guys that if it doesn't seem like it's working, I want to go spend my time elsewhere. And uh, right when I'm thinking that, okay, gosh, I just don't know if this thing's working out. I get an awesome question or an awesome letter from somebody talking about how, you know, it's affected their life or it's affected their horsemanship. And, you know, it, what what a great motivator to keep doing what you're doing when you get some really good uh, positive feedback from people. And and let's face it, I'm I'm a positive feedback kind of person. I I fuel off that, and I need that. Quite frankly, that's I tell people all the time that that's my addiction is knowing that it's that whatever it is that I'm doing is helping somebody else. And so I really appreciate our listeners. But Laura, really, I, I thank you for for number one introducing the concept and the idea to me, and then of course motivating me to do it. And I honestly, I don't think I could do it without you. And and certainly couldn't do it without our producer, John, as well. So I really appreciate you guys helping us not just reach that milestone of 50 for me, which is a lot. And then, and now, of course, we're, we're beyond it and yeah. we're looking for the next goal. Yeah, definitely. So blown past episode 50 into episode 54. And so what, what are we going to be talking about today? 
Well, we're going to talk about spurs, Laura. That I get that question a lot because especially like on my work boots, they never come off my boots. They they stay on my boots 24-7. It doesn't matter if I'm riding a really young horse or if I'm riding a more experienced horse. My boots are always there. I mean, my spurs are always there on my boots. Whenever we travel, I always chunk my spurs in my suitcase. And as soon as we get through wherever we're headed, I pull my, and sadly, I got to put my spurs through in the suitcase, right? Because if I don't, then for whatever reason, our people think that they're weapons. And if they <laughs> think they're weapons, they're going to take them from me. So I, I check them in my luggage. And then as soon as we get where we're going, I put them back on my boots. It's just part of who I am. It's part of my culture. Uh, but because people see them and people have mixed emotions about spurs, and mainly the mixed emotion they have about spurs is they just don't know. So I welcome the questions about them. So because of that, we're going we're gonna to talk about that today, whether or not you need them, whether or not you don't need them, what purpose do they serve, and that sort of thing. And first and foremost, I want to tell everybody, absolutely not, you don't need them. Spurs are just literally in, in the realm of things. They're just an extension of your heel. It just allows you to be able to send the same communication to your horse with a little bit less movement on your part. And it's not that you're lazy if you have to have spurs. It's just that in my case, I love to get my horses trained to where they are so incredibly soft and supple. Now, this doesn't take much of a movement at all for my horses to be able to move. The spur allows me to send that very, very quiet signal through my seat, through my legs, and then ultimately, maybe just a little slight movement of my heel to put that uh, put the spur in a very specific location and get that refined movement that I'm looking for. But the reality is, do I need them? Absolutely not. But we are going to talk about that a lot today, Laura, because there's yeah. so many different aspects of, of our spurs. Everything from, you know, what type of spur do you need? My question would be, do you ride English? Do you ride Western? If you ride Western, do you ride Western Pleasure? Are you a short-legged person, a long-legged person? Do you, does your horse have a, a big barrel or is he kind of skinny? I mean, we have to think about so many different things in order to really be fitted properly for our spurs. The other thing is we also have to truly understand their purpose and how we intend to use them. So that's kind of what we're going to be discussing about today, Lauren. We've already kind of covered some of those things, haven't we? Yeah. And so let me... Let me just start with this question, because like a lot of things that people do with animals, there are people who look at something like spurs and say, well, that's cruel. You shouldn't. Why? Why would anybody wear those? What's your response to somebody that, who, who might feel like, oh, spurs, that's that's a cruel thing to, to use on a horse? Well, the, usually the very first thing I think of, <laughs> the first thing I think of when somebody says this flat out, they're cruel without knowing anything, then I just want to look at them and, and share with them one of my grandmother's favorite quotes was, well, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> um, but then I, <laughs> I follow it up pretty quickly and says, you're, you know, the spur is only as, as mild or as harsh as the person using them. In the inexperienced hands, you betcha. Spurs could be pretty brutal or to the person that has a lack of control of their emotions and mm -hmm. their temper, then they could be brutal. And all of that is part of what I call that journey of horsemanship and humanship is learning that you've got that tool there, but it's never meant to be used brutally or harshly. The same way with bits. You know, just recently at one of our clinics, I did a very, very thorough uh, demonstration on bits. And I just asked people, I put a, a ton of different bits up there on the, on the railing of the fence. 
and I got people to tell me what they thought was the mildest bit that they could see up there. And it was the typical, actually, it was one of my bits. It was an offset D-ring snaffle, which is on my website. People can see it. If you don't know what it is, just go to our website and look at the description under the offset D-ring snaffle, and you'll get a good picture of it. And unanimously, everybody pointed at that bit and says, oh, that's the mildest one. So I asked the questions, well, why is it the mildest? Well, it doesn't have leverage. It's, it's, I mean, they said all the classic things as to why that was the mild bit. And then I got one of the volunteers to come up and I said, look, I want your arm to represent the horse's lower jaw. And wouldn't you agree that the bit would just rest on those lower, that, that lower jaw and rest on those two bones? And everybody agreed and said, yes, it would. And then I flexed the bit. And as I did, and as I continued to pull, the bit pinched very harshly on those bones as if those two lower jaw bones were in a nutcracker. Mm-hmm. And yet we were talking about the simplest, mildest bit there is. Now, so, so you can see when I begin to apply pressure that if I don't do it correctly, I can really put your arm in a nutcracker and drop you to your knees and hurt you pretty badly. But yet all of you guys said that was the mildest bit up there. Now, some people immediately argue, oh yeah, that's why we want to go bitless and bridleless. We don't need it, all that stuff. But the reality is, and especially for those who are going to compete, there's a lot of events out there you cannot compete in unless you do have a bit of some sort. So it's not about the bit itself. The mildest of bits can be abusive if they're not used correctly, but we do need to learn how to use them correctly. So the bit is only as harsh or as mild as the person using it. Now let's go all the way to the other end and talk about our feet. The spur is very, very similar. It's not even in contact with a horse on a constant basis. It's just dangling down there at the end of your leg, you know, resting on your heel. But yet it can be used incorrectly and be very, very harsh. It can send an unbelievably strong and harsh signal to your horse if you're that type of person that wants to be mean and brutal. But it can also be extremely mild. For example, on my spurs, I have a what, what you might call a modest and, and medium-length shank, and I've got a very soft, round rowel, and the rowel's that little star part that's, that's on the end of your spur. And it's very dull, and it's, it's, it still moves, it still rotates, but it's very dull. I probably couldn't abuse a horse with it if I tried, but yet it's still there, and yes, it could potentially hurt a horse, but at the same time, it's only going to be as brutal as the guy using. So whenever somebody asks me that question, oh, you know, why would you use those things? They just look so mean and so harsh and so cruel. I simply just do my best to try to educate them. And some folks are willing to accept the education and understand. But other people, they're just going to see it the way they see it. And that's where, again, Rodis refer back, well, bless your heart. Um, <laughs> the, other thing I, <laughs> the other thing I try to, to get folks to realize, too, is that the bit nor the spur has any intelligence whatsoever. It, it doesn't think. It doesn't train the horse. It doesn't do anything without its user. So it's not the bit itself that's cruel. It's not the spur it's the self that's cruel. It's only the guy using it. And that's why it's so adamant that we are, I'm so adamant about making sure that anybody that's going to use a spur or anybody that's going to use a bit get fully educated on their purpose and how they use it. I tell people all the time regarding bits and the same thing with spurs. I could care less which one you use. Just know how to use it and know how it affects your horse. If you're armed with that information, then it's up to you whether or not you can be cruel or not. And let's just hope and pray that for the horse's sake, you you choose the latter and you choose not to be cruel or harsh with it. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great explanation. And I guess, so then when you get past that issue and you're, you're talking to somebody who, you know, doesn't have a cruel intention, but maybe is trying to understand whether they should be wearing spurs, how they should use them, which ones they should use. Where do you start with that person? Well, you're right on target with that too, though, Lauren, saying that, you know, when do you start? And I think of what's on the end of somebody's legs is the same as what's on their hands. In other words, as they're learning to ride, you've got to consider that as you're learning, you're also learning to master the control of your own balance. And oftentimes we use, when we're riding a horse, we use our hands and our legs to help us maintain a better balance. So in the beginning, I want the rider to learn how to ride by not bouncing and and inadvertently pounding and hurting the horse. So we put the mildest bit in their hands that we can possibly use. And I try to either put no bits on their feet at all, or I'm sorry, no spurs on their feet at all. Or if I am going to have spurs on them, which I probably wouldn't, I would make sure they had an incredibly short shank, mild spur. And the reason why is because as they're learning to get that balance, their hands could be flopping and their feet could be flopping. And you're inadvertently making the horse uncomfortable. And horses that are uncomfortable oftentimes get a little less predictable. So in the beginning, I want to keep everything incredibly simple and easy for the horse. I want the rider to get experienced over time on being very keenly aware of their hands, the placement of their hands, their feet, the placement of their feet, and and how that placement and how that balance affects your horse, either positively or negatively. So as the rider gets better, we can then make a judgment as as to whether or not they should advance with their bid if they need to or feel the need to, or whether or not they need or want to use or ride with spurs. So I guess the question to that or the answer to that question is a lot of it is strictly going to depend on the advancement of the rider and their ability to stay focused on what the effect their hands and their feet may have on their horses. Yeah, I mean, I can really see that if you're a, a a rider who is just has no body awareness, has no control over what your feet are doing, and and you think, I mean, I'm thinking about that as I'm saying it, and you're, you know, well, my feet are in the stirrups, and so I, of course I know where they are, but not that, you know, the fine control that you develop over time of knowing exactly where my heels are and whether my heels and what's attached to them are bouncing against the horse, are quiet, are, you know, all those things would make a huge difference in the impact if somebody is wearing spurs. Right. Again, I I like it because it's part of the cowboy culture. So I I like having spurs. I think it just kind of adds to, for lack of a better term, almost a uniform. It's almost like the spurs kind of complete the cowboy now but the other part is is that and again this is just me thinking from you know almost like a mastery level i love having them there and i love knowing that i don't really need them because now it is just part of the uniform so to speak to me when as, as my horsemanship gets better the less and less i find myself using the spur needing the spur and certainly not depending on the spur but I, I I strongly encourage folks to, to think in terms that as you get better, both with your hands as well as your feet, you don't need your hands or your feet as much because the other parts of your body are also communicating with your horse in such a way that the horse understands what it is that you want. And you've also exercised your leadership with your horse enough to know or that the horse knows 
to listen to you. It's one thing that your horse knows you're there and you're not going to hurt it. The other question is, does it respect you enough to do what you ask it to do when you ask it to do it? Therefore, it's relying on your body communication and not those other little bitty things such as the bit and the spur. So I want to caution people, don't put the spur on too early. Don't put a big old heavy bit on your horse too early. Because if you do and you don't communicate well, then the horse will learn to get very dependent on that. It's almost like I tell people all the time, if if somebody is shouting all the time, then you're not going to take them seriously until they're shouting. Hmm. You see, Tom Dorrance used to tell us all the time, don't pull on a horse because if you ever pull on one, you'll always pull on one. And what he meant by that is that once the horse gets used to you pulling, he's not going to listen to you when you're not pulling on him. Well, the same thing happens with horses when we're riding them with spurs. If we just get such a habit of just kicking them and pounding on the ribcage with a spur, then the horse is not going to take you seriously until you're kicking and pounding on them with the spur. They learn to tune everything else out that you could possibly do that would be more refined movement. So what we have to do is we have to teach our horses to listen more carefully to all the other cues that we give our horses when we ask them to go somewhere, move forward, or respond in some positive way. And what I mean by that is the first thing we want to do is we want to increase our energy with our seat and then maybe increase our energy with our legs. And I I call it my seat and my feet. And then if that works, great. But if it doesn't, we want to escalate that. We want to go from like a maybe a slight squeeze with our calves and our leg, but not necessarily with our spurs, just that very light squeeze. If that works, great. If it doesn't, we're going to escalate. We might bump them a little bit with our legs and create a little bit more energy. And if that doesn't work, we're going to increase our energy a little bit more. If that doesn't work, I might take my reins or a Makati line if I'm riding with it, or if I'm riding with a halter and a lead rope, I might use the tail of my lead rope to kind of spack the horse on the butt a little bit and help him motivate to go forward. But if I just start off by rubbing and kicking and dialging with my spurs, then after a while, he's not going to pay attention to all those other more subtle cues. He's going to realize, ah, she's not serious until she kicks me with those darn spurs. And that's a horse then that gets both desensitized and dependent on the spur. As a result of the horse getting dependent on the spur, we get dependent on the spur thinking, oh, my horse doesn't listen to me when I squeeze, doesn't listen to me when I bump, doesn't listen to me when I kick doesn't listen to me when I spank him on the butt with my rein or my Makati line or my lead rope. Therefore, I have to use my spur. So over time, the first thing that they try to communicate with is with the spur. So we have to realize that if the spur is truly just going to be an extension of your heel, you have to respect it as such, which means that the horse needs to also respect from you that all those other things really do mean something to the horse. All those little subtle cues are things that this horse needs to listen to. So is it fair to say that the answer to a horse that's not responsive to your cues is not to get spurs or bigger spurs, just like it's not to get a bigger bit, but it's to go back to those basics and train the horse to respond to the, you know, the more, the more basic cues. Absolutely. And here's something I want people just to kind of think about. I heard, I want to say it was uh, Ray Hunt said this one time, and if it wasn't Ray, it might have been Tom Dorrance, but it was a really cool little quote, and I've heard a few other trainers say it since then, and I say it to a lot of people nowadays. But I just want folks to listen very carefully to the, the wording here. I want to communicate to my horse, and I want to tell my horse, I promise not to kick you in the belly to make you go, but I promise that if you don't go, I'll kick you in the belly. 
See, yeah. it's very subtle, isn't it? Yeah. But it also means that I'm going to promise the, that I'm not going to kick you in the belly to make you go. So then somebody logically might ask, then how are you going to get it to go? I'm going to go back to the, what we said earlier. I'm going to increase my energy. I'm going to apply that energy with my lower leg and my seat. If the horse responds to that, great. If he doesn't, I'm going to escalate a little bit and I'll keep escalating until eventually the horse may literally force me to keep the second half of that promise. If the horse responds to all of that, then I'm going to continue to maintain the first half of that promise. I promise not to kick you in the belly to make you go, but I promise that if you don't go, I'm going to kick you in the belly. It almost seems like what you're saying is, you know, to to go back to our topic for this episode, don't use spurs unless you don't need them. Yeah, it's Mm. (laughs) I love that. That's actually a very good way to put that. It's just don't use spurs unless you don't need them. Because again, it's it could just be part of the uniform. And the other part is, is that it could also be a very subtle, very light cue with your foot just to keep you very, very discreet. And I and I say that because I used to take a lot of pride whenever I was competing. That it was in my in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm in this to win it. I want to try to do the absolute best that my horse and I can do today. But then that other side of me said, I want to challenge the judges to see if they can see my feet move. So in other words, if I could send a, sug- a signal to my horse that was so subtle that the judges couldn't even see my leg move because I had that little bitty two-inch extension of my heel that allowed me to make contact with my horse with almost an undetectable maneuver or movement with my leg, that's going to challenge that judge. Says, Man, that horse must really be well-trained because I never saw that cowboy move. And yet that horse responded perfectly on time every time. Well, it almost well, seems like that's the better use of the spurs, that it allows you to be more uh, subtle, more quiet in your movements and still be able to make contact with the horse. So they're not a tool to punish a horse that's non-responsive. They're a tool to refine what you're already able to do without them. You couldn't have said it any better. And I want to really emphasize that first part, because that really bothers me when I see people jerk on the bit and I see people haul off and kick a horse as hard as they can with their spurs. To me, there's extremely rare situations to where that should ever be justified, and it should never be justified with anybody that lacks a tremendous amount of experience. Because uh, let's face it, horses do make mistakes sometimes, and sometimes those mistakes are assertive or aggressive. And we have to assert our leadership at that point in time. But I will tell people over and over and over again, never exercise that sort of uh, assertiveness unless you have absolute control of your emotions and your faculties. Because if you allow your energy to go to the point where you're upset or angry, you're probably going to cause some irreparable damage there. So I just tell people to stay away from that unless you're just so keenly experienced and you're in absolute control of your emotions. And this like a horse, another horse that bites another horse on the butt or wheels around and kicks it, they don't hold grudges. As soon as that's over with, it's over. So that's what we have to realize with our spurs, that it's meant to be a tool of refinement and never, ever a tool of aggression or anger or to punish. It should never be used that. And besides, the horses wouldn't understand it anyway. So it's absolutely counterproductive. But Laura, I want to talk about something else too. For example, when you were riding Scooter at my house many moons ago, you weren't nearly as long-legged as I was. And Scooter is a big horse with a big barrel. And what I mean by that is his, you know, his heart girth area, it's really deep. And as a result of that, his, he's got a really big barrel, meaning that his, his whole midsection 
is very deep and big. And it worked really well for me because, you know, I'm long-legged. But whenever you rode him, your legs were right about at the point of his of his belly at his widest point. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk, and if we think about that, I want folks to think about your leg length and also your horse's shape of their barrel and how that plays a role in our spur selection. A lot of English riders have little bitty short nubs on the end of their spurs. And that's because a lot of the English horses that are ridden are really big animals. You know, it's not unusual to see them on 16-hand horses and sometimes bigger. So as a result, they're very big horses. And let's face it, most of the people that are riding them don't have uh, really long legs. You know, the, the, almost the entire barn that I worked with up there in um, in New York recently were ridden by averaged height or smaller women. And as a result of that, their legs came down almost to the widest part of that horse's barrel. So it wouldn't make sense for those guys to use spurs with long shanks on them. They need to wear the spurs that's got the little more traditional type shank because they don't inadvertently want to have that spur rubbing on or gouging on that horse at moments that they that they don't need it and or want it. So any type of spur contact at all needs to be very deliberate and at the same time very soft and supple. And it needs to be on purpose. It doesn't need to be inadvertent. So we have to take that in consideration. The horse's size, our leg length, as well as the positioning uh, on our horse. That's, That's extremely important. In our Western riding, we see almost every spur we see guys use has a little bit of a shank on it. And a shank is like that part that sticks out away from the part on your heel of your boot that wraps around your boot. The shank is that part that kind of sticks out away from that, away from that band. So mine, for example, are about, oh, one and a half, maybe two inches at the very most. But again, I'm a long-legged fella, and because of the nature of my riding, most of the horses that I ride are fairly small, younger horses, you know, three-year-olds and younger sometimes, you know, so they're two and three-year-olds, sometimes some uh, lesser mature four-year-old horses, I very rarely get to ride a full-grown adult horse. So as a result, if I want my horses to learn to be very subtle with my spur, then I need to have my my spur length of, of my shank just a little bit longer so that I don't have to reach up, so to speak, to make that communication. Because now I'm being everything but subtle. I can't be subtle if I'm having to move in such a way that I can't use that spur in a, in a sense of refinement. So our spur length and our spur choice is also very, very important when, when we're considering either purchasing or, or wearing them or using them. And I'm trying to picture this in my head. I think what you're talking about in terms of choosing the length of the shank has to do with kind of where your feet rest on uh, on the horse's body when you're just sitting there in the saddle. If because if, like you were talking about with me on scooter or these shorter women on the big horses that they ride for English, because of the length of our legs and the size of the horse, when we're just sitting there, our feet are actually very close to the horse's body. Whereas you having longer legs and a, a younger, you know, narrower bodied horse, so to speak, your feet when you're sitting there in the saddle are actually kind of farther away from making contact with the horse's skin. Is that, is that absolutely getting that right? And so the longer shank absolutely. puts it closer, puts your, uh, your contact a little closer without you having to move hard. 
Yes. Okay. And that's what we just really have to keep in mind. For example, like in our world in, in, uh, in Western riding, Western pleasure is still a very popular sport. And you'll oftentimes see Western pleasure trainers with a fairly long shank spur. And the reason they do is because, again, they're when, especially when they're competing, when they're competing, they want to be extremely subtle because those classes are very, very uh, competitive. So as a result, they don't want the judges to be able to see their leg move hardly at all. So you see oftentimes these long-legged trainers, they've got these big old long shank spurs, and those things do look brutal. But again, I'm just going to reinforce the folks that they're only as rough as the guy using them. And that that shank is so long because, again, they're just trying to get closer to the horse's body without having to make a major adjustment in their leg position for the spur to do its job and send that very subtle signal. But here's the downfall of that, is that you've got this guy that maybe 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", and he's riding this big old tall horse, and this guy's got big old long legs and long shanks on his spurs, and his client is, oh, maybe a whopping 5'2", 5'3", 5'4", and she wants to use what what the trainer uses. So she goes Mm -hmm. off to the feed store or wherever, and she goes and buys the exact same spur that she's seen her trainer use. And she comes out there the next day, and her legs are like barely over the horse's barrel, now not even, not even beyond the widest part of the horse's belly. And she's got these big old long shank spurs that are just bugging the ligament heck out of that horse. Yeah. And after a while, the horse might get upset because those spurs are in constant contact, not because the lady intends to or, or on purpose is bugging her with the, with the spurs. Just by her riding in the normal position, her spurs are in constant contact with the horse. So as a result, the horse might get a little bit pissy or he might not travel the way he normally does because he's always being cued, but he doesn't know what he's being cued to do. Mm -hmm. So he might get a little upset. He might start acting a little bit odd. And luckily, or maybe the trainer might notice that and go, oh, wait a minute, we got to, we got to pull those spurs off. So that's why I tell people, if you're going to use spurs and you're going to do so competitively and you do happen to have a trainer, you work closely with a trainer, go Get the trainer to help you match your spur and your spur length to the need. In other words, if your legs are nice and short, go get something nice and short shanked. If your legs are extremely long, go get yourself a little bit longer shanked. So get a professional to kind of help you in making that decision as to, number one, whether or not you even need them, or number two, if if you are going to have them, then make sure that you get the proper spur for the task. It's very important. Yeah, I mean, I can totally see why that would be annoying to a horse when when you think that horses, even though their hide seems so tough, they can feel when a fly lands on them. So if you're, you know, riding along with those spurs rubbing against their belly constantly just because of, you know, where your foot hits, I, I can see how confusing and annoying that would be. Hmm. Right. I hadn't thought about yeah. that before. Yeah. So, I, I mean, am I, you know, I get the question all the time, am I opposed to spurs? Nope. Do I use them? Nope. They're just kind of on my boots, and I kind of like the way it looks. I kind of like the way it feels. In in my world, it's kind of uh, just another part. It, it's the the boots and the spurs to me is very much like a cowboy wearing his cowboy hat. It's just part of who you are. It's part of the uniform. So, it, but but I, I try to emphasize to people all the time: the spurs have no IQ. They can only do and communicate what what the rider does and what he communicates. So. I, I like them, but I like them for different reasons than other people do. I don't. I never use my spurs as anything other than just an extension of my heel, just to send a much more subtle cue. And I really loved what you said before, which is 
and you may have to help me with that again, Laura, but like you need spurs only if you don't need them. Is that what you said or something similar to that? Yeah, don't use them until you don't need them, yeah, unless you don't Yeah, I love that. You, I'm going to have to yeah, write that down. Yeah. Supposed to be a better, uh, you know, work on the the cues without them, and then they just become a tool of refinement instead of a tool of of punishment or correction. So, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, this is so interesting. I love that. To I'm me. gonna. <laughs> okay. I mean, this has been interesting to me because I I have never known anything. I've never worn spurs in my life. Obviously, I know what they are because I've been around cowboys, and you know, so it's um. It's interesting to understand a little bit more the the purpose they serve and the the purposes they don't serve, the things that they don't correct. And so right. I, I always wondered about the long kind of uh, intimidating looking spurs and thinking that, God, oh, why does anybody need something that cr- cruel? But understanding what you were saying about, you know, the length of your legs and the size of your horse really being the def- defining factor there makes a whole lot of sense. So this is helpful. Um, anything yeah. else you want to say good. about spurs well, before we wrap it up? I can't think of a thing at the moment other than, you know, if, if anybody has any questions or comments about them, please feel free to share it with it. And, and I've got thick skin. So if, if somebody totally, absolutely disagrees, I'm okay with that. Share your thoughts with us. And uh, I'm, I'm always willing to listen to someone else's input regarding the tools that we use, or whether it be for a purpose or whether it be for part of the uniform. So uh, I encourage people to uh, to reach out to us and let us know your thoughts and opinions about uh, the subject that we talked about today, which was, of course, spurs. And I spur and- you on to do it, people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just so that's pretty corny one. So there's lots of ways you can reach out to Van with your, your thoughts on this topic or any other. You can always post a comment or a question at the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. So watch for that. Uh, if you're not already following it, I think... Van still, um, you know, they'll, besides answering questions and just commenting on various things, you'll, you'll see announcements in there about upcoming events and stuff. So that's kind of a good place to connect. If you're on Facebook, just look for Van Hargis Horsemanship uh, and find the Facebook page there. Uh, you can also send your comments, questions, suggestions to, to Van via email at info at vanhargis.com. And he looks forward to your suggestions for show topics, your feedback on this topic or the other things. Uh, I'm going to ask again, as I often do, if you enjoyed this episode or, you know, any of the episodes that we've done, help us spread the word about Ride Every Stride. Tell your friends. That's the the uh, unquestionably the way people find podcasts or even learn what a podcast is most often is because a friend told them about it. So if you have friends who enjoy horsemanship related things, who want to learn to be better horsemen or horsewomen, tell them about Ride Every Stride, send them to the podcast page on the Van Hargis Horsemanship or vanhargis.com at the website, or show them how to subscribe, take their phone away from them and go into the podcast app and subscribe for them. Before we wrap up, Van, I know you on the website, I mentioned vanhargis.com. That's kind of the hub of everything that's going on with Van Hargis Horsemanship. Your calendar is there, the ways people can work with you. The store is there. If you want to, you know, if you're looking for a saddle or other things, uh, there's tack and all sorts of stuff in the store that you can check out that Van uh, recommends, has had a hand in designing to make it effective and, and useful. We haven't mentioned, I think in a couple episodes, the Top Hand Club. Where Where's my head? Uh, the Top Hand Club. You can. Are there any 
spaces left for charter members or have those all gone? We're still just a few shy of our thousand mark and not very many. I don't know the exact number, but I was just told just recently we don't only have a few left. Less than a, I think it's like less than 20 something spots, but I don't know for a fact, but I just know we have a few left. We still want to encourage people to do that because that's going to be the cheapest you're going to get uh, in there. While we were in New York recently, we filmed a ton more uh, little short video clips that we're going to be uploading soon. And, and for those of you who do happen to be around whenever we're videoing those, just know that it may take us a few days to get those edited, put down, and and kind of uh, briefed up a bit because sometimes they're a little bit long. So we'll cut them up into little bite-sized pieces, and then we upload them to the website for you guys to view later. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Laura, we do have a few of those spots left, and that's a whopping $4.95 to a growing and we hope to be a limitless library of little short video clips. And again, we always encourage people to send us their ideas of what they would love to see us video. And sometimes we try to cover those things pretty direct here on the podcast. But the reality is sometimes a visual look is much, much better. You know, you mentioned our store, Laura. I'm going to throw out a big challenge to everybody. Mention our milestone, the conversation that you and I had at the very beginning of this. If they will send us an email about the milestone that, that Ride Over Stride just surpassed, I will take $500 off the next Van Hargis saddle sold off our website. I'll make sure that we put a coupon on our website, and I want to challenge somebody that if they will mention this milestone, if they're interested in having a Van Hargis Colt starting saddle, or if they're interested in having a Van Hargis Ranch Horse Versatility Saddle, both of which are phenomenal, I ride them every day, then if they're interested in that, mention the milestone that you and I talked about today in an email sent to us, and I'll guarantee them a coupon worth $500 off of one of those uh, saddles of their choice. Okay, now that's that for said, everybody who does that, or just the first person who does that? The first person who does that, the first person okay. that sends so us that One that person. Email. Jump um, on it, y'all. Jump on it, y'all. That's right. Now, <laughs> keep in mind, too, this is the really cool part about our saddles, is that the saddle itself is kind of a standard saddle. What you see on our website is exactly what I ride every day. But let's face it, sometimes people want a more customized saddle. So we have available on our website, you can pick and choose certain things that you want. You can choose your own tooling pattern. You can choose the own, your own stirrups that you like. And on our website shows the prices of those options. Uh, so you can basically have my saddle fully customized to the specifications that you prefer on your saddles. It's um, th just the one that's on my website, which I love simplicity. The one that's on my website is exactly what, what I ride, but we want people to, to have that ability to customize as well. Nice. So send us that deal. And you know, Laura, I'm gonna, we're really going to open it up. You asked that question, but I'm going to open it up even more. For everybody that sends us, everybody that sends us a response mentioning our milestone that you and I talked about today, I'll offer everybody $500 off the next Van Hargis saddle they buy. Oh, my and goodness. They, and and, and when are we, how long are we going to do that? We can't do it forever, so let's do it for what? The next, the next month. We'll make it for the 4th of July special. We'll do it for the entire month of July. That makes sense. So whenever this episode airs, people who are listening better look at the calendar and, and make sure that you uh, you jump right on it. So that's pretty generous, Van. How fun. I think so, too. I but, just want people in my saddles. I, I love them, and I think, they're, I think they fit our horses really well. They're extremely comfortable in the seat, and I want more people in them. And a fun way to celebrate an important milestone. So 
You All bet. that being said, go to the website, vanhargis.com. Snoop around, see what you find there. You find the show notes for this podcast episode. You find his calendar so you can see where he's going to be uh, in the coming months and where you can see him live because nothing beats a, an experience of, of watching a great horseman live teaching you and demonstrating the concepts that we hear about on the podcast. You see how you can contact Van, all kinds of things there at vanhargis.com and the Top Hand Club, which is a great value. I think that's pretty much all we have time for today. Any last words for the listeners, Van? Well, always my, my appreciation goes out to you and John for making this show possible. I want to thank everybody out there listening. Please hope you continue to do so. So until next time, it's your trail, it's your life, it's your journey. So ride every stride. <laughs>